Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everybody, to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me, as always, is owner of House of the Unusual, Eddie Guevara. Along with us tonight is the one, the only, world-famous hypnotist, Michael Mesmer. And now, with the introduction to our friend Mike Mesmer, the legendary monster guy, hypnotist, world-renowned, works from Las Vegas and parts of the, every part of the world. So, Mike... I, I think you're the authority to ask questions like this. Why do you think, and or how? Explain to us how monsters have fashioned the way we think today, the way we became collectors as kids, how it fashioned mail order ads. Um, why don't you start the story from the beginning, Mike? Go ahead. Sure. Well, you know, Eddie, the thing is that we you start back with the uh, written word, back with uh, as long as go as Mary Shelley and and Frankenstein, and of course, Bram Stoker and Dracula. All those were very influential throughout history. Uh, But of course, what really, I think, started the whole monster mania had to be the early days at Universal. And that's, of course, what we remember of what Frankenstein looked like, how Frankenstein acted, how Dracula acted, the, um, the stories behind them. All of that came really from Universal. And Universal was really influenced initially by, um, of course, the German Expressionist era, where we had Dr. Caligari, Metropolis, all of those, you know, uh, which I know you love robots, so the robot in Metropolis is very cool. Um, and so uh, a lot of the German Expressionist era films and Carl Freund, uh, cinematographer, came over to Universal, and then they started making the movies that we're familiar with, with Frankenstein the way we love Frankenstein. And, and Dracula, and ultimately the Wolfman in the 1940s. Um, and I think the reason they catch our imagination uh, is for many reasons. I mean, the stories are great, obviously. That's why they started out as, you know, Frankenstein Dracula, of course, started out as novels. So those novels were sold millions of copies through the years. Uh, so, you know, the stories were fantastic. But then what Universal did with them really made them fantastic for us kids during the monster era. And of course the rebirth in the sixties of the monster era, because seeing them that way, it opened everybody's imagination to what they were. So, you know, when we look at <clears throat> the monsters, there's different levels. There's the beginnings of monsters back, you know, novels and the books, then the German expression era had the golem and, and Dr. Caligari and all of that. Then when they jumped to Universal and created what we love today, you know, the, the images of those monsters have become so iconic. I mean, we've, uh, we've seen them on, of course, our beloved Aurora models, uh, all of this. Those all come from the Universal monster designs. And uh, so we have to thank, you know, master makeup artist Jack Pierce for creating Frankenstein design and all of that. And, uh, of course, the Wolfman and all of that. So, you know, it comes from the creators of the writers. It comes from the creators of the artists, uh, the film filmographer, people, the directors, all of that. But also Jack Pierce, really, those looks that you and I fell in love with, with the monsters. You know, uh, one of the things that you uh, just made me uh, remind or reminded me of was the fact when we had Sarah Karloff in one of our earlier episodes, she actually uh, said something that was very interesting, you know, funny, which is like, 
She goes, we had no idea. She goes, when she was first invited to attend a Comic-Con type of thing or a convention, she had no idea. And, you know, they went there thinking that nothing, nobody was going to show up. Oh, wow. Yeah, she couldn't believe uh, the popularity of people coming up to them. And and that's kind of how she became a convention goer, you know. <laughs> well, you know, and, and her dad, uh, her dad, as an actor, added to that makeup and brought it alive for us, you know. But also, the interesting thing about Karloff, he actually added to the makeup because he took out his dentures, so the dentions in his cheeks that made it so bizarre looking. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, but the whole thing is how popular. But the the whole point is that. I guess when the 70s went by and early 80s, you know, even the children of those monsters, like what Sarah was saying, didn't really realize how popular monsters still were in a lot of people's hearts. Yes. And that's, it was, I mean, her and I think, I don't know if she, she mentioned in the show, it was an earlier show, I don't exactly remember, you know, her words, but um, sure. I do remember her saying, I think somebody went with her. She was invited by Long Cheney family or she right, went with right. her. It, but they went in and they just couldn't believe the amount of people that were coming up to them to get autographs and stuff. And, and, you know, and it was, it was just very fascinating. And she says, that's how I became uh, so involved. In, well, I think the, the very first, the very first shows they were going to, I think it was Ron Chaney went with her along with uh, Bella Jr. Uh, that's so, correct. They changed yeah. the replay. Uh-huh. They're and, nice people. They're all nice people and they love their fan. Talking about monsters. One of the things I, I, like the most and I find iconic is when I was a young kid as I basically grew up and I, I was watching which was a regular Sunday thing Abbott and Costello. Oh yeah. I, I grew up in Manhattan. Um, I would watch him every Sunday and when they did Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein one of the main things that I could always remember was Dracula and, yes. and the way Dracula was portrayed. So when I came across a uh, five and dime store back in the day and I saw the Aurora model kit, I didn't think of the original Dracula from, you know, the 1920s. Cause at that time I, I really hadn't watched the original Dracula. I only thought of Abbott and Costello and I didn't know what a model kit really was. I was like six or seven. So, sure, uh, you know, when, when I heard the, yeah, the kid, yeah. But when I heard the kid and they made strange noises like leaves inside or something, I always wanted to know what the heck was inside the box. And since it was yes. sealed, I had no idea. And um, I wanted it so bad. I remember the price was a dollar forty nine. you know, for the yes, model. Yes, yes, they were. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, I bought that and took it home and I built it. And to this day, I could say that it's not, it, it is my favorite. The the square box. Not oh, the yes. Like the square box right. with the glow in the dark features. Of yes. the, you know, the Dracula model Aurora, that is my favorite. And I have several of them. I have one of the original, the original box I bought as a kid, I still have. And I also have a box that's uh, that I bought sealed of that same Dracula. Oh. And I had another one that I purchased, but I actually sold that one on eBay, a couple of hundred dollars. But the point is that that particular Dracula was my favorite all time. And it still it's is fantastic. to this day. And, and, and well, the, the basic reason is that that's what I was influenced. And my influence came from the, uh, you know, Abbott and Costello. And then I realized as I was growing right. up, anytime I looked at Dracula, it sounded like Bela Lugosi. Um, you know, yes. Oh, yeah. Count Even Mark today when you look at Reese. Oh, yeah. Reese's Pieces. Reese's. 
Halloween. It's always Lugosi Dracula voice. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I was going to say there was, uh, you know, when we were kids and we were in school, we had the uh, Scholastic Book Club, right? Yes, we did. Dynamite was a famous magazine that back in the 70s. And I used to always order Dynamite. And inside they had a, a comic. And it was called Count, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right, Morbida or Morbid. I think it was Morbid and then Da. They used the word Morbid. And, yes. Um, yeah. Morbida. And I ordered a Flexi record one time. Well, actually, the Flexi record came inside one of the Dynamites. And when he talked, he was just like talking, you know, Bella Lugosi. Oh, oh yeah. You know? And... So the influence was big. And then into the comic books, when you looked at this monster-sized monsters and they sold the six-foot Frankenstein and the six-foot Dracula, you couldn't help but notice that it actually looked just like Bella and 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 uh, Boris Karloff, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, have the, they always have the widow's peak and all of that. Well, you know, Bella Lugosi, he really inhabited that role because he did it hundreds of times on Broadway before he ever was doing it in the movie. And what was crazy about it, it, when you look back at it now, is that they didn't want to use, they didn't want him to be Dracula. They originally it was going to be Lon Chaney Sr., but then he died of cancer. And uh, Conrad Veidt to be Dracula. And I'm sure he would have done okay, but you know what? Um, they were foolish not to right off the bat choose Bella. In fact, they put him through so many ringers. They only paid him $500 a week to do that role. And uh, it was like, wow, you guys really didn't treat him properly. And here he was, the, the ultimate Dracula they had in their hands. They were so lucky that they ended up using him because I'm not so sure we would see all of this. We wouldn't have seen all these amazing models and everything. Had Bella Lugosi, just as had Karloff not played you know, Frankenstein, same with Bella. If Bella played Dracula, I'm not so sure we'd have the icons we have now. So it's too bad that they were not respected. Well, Karloff more so was respected than Bella, but Bella was not respected by Universal at all in his time. And that's kind of sad because when we think about all the happiness and joy we've got from watching Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein and all the other Dracula with him, it's, it's a shame that he was never recognized to the height that he should have been in his life. And, and that is really interesting that you said that because one of the things I could see about, especially when it came with uh, Bella Lugosi is that, uh, he not only did he became come so iconic, and every Dracula after that kind of went back to the way he acted or mm-hmm. what he said. Uh, but you know, when you look at it, I mean, I'm surprised nobody in Universal maybe saw the film and realized the character how good he was. Yes, and it, it, it's really sad to say what you're saying because it's just crazy the way things actually turned out. You know. Um, with the fame of him and, and stuff. Well, it, it is that he only got to officially pay, play Dracula twice in his career. One was the very first movie in 1931, and the second one was Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. He had a couple other films where he, uh, you know, portrayed a vampire slash like Dracula, like Armand Tesla in uh, Return of the Vampire, but that was not for Universal. Um, but other than that, he only played Dracula twice officially. Yeah, and that's like I said, that's so crazy. And it uh, is, you know, one of the things I could say or that I like to say is that 
when I was growing up, and like I said, when I went to the comic book and I would buy monster-sized monsters and stuff. Oh yeah. Anytime I found myself in Halloween, uh, getting you know getting dressed, if I if I did a vampire role or if I did anything, you find yourself trying to imitate the voice, the Hungarian, yes. you know. But you know one thing I'm going to bring to your attention. I know that Bella was asked to do Frankenstein, and I know that he came out and he went to see his doctor, and he didn't because he felt that somehow his actor activities or being an actor uh, portraying a dumb brute was not in his cup of tea. But you know, when you look at her overall thing, is I don't know if that would have happened if if Bella Lugosi would have played Frankenstein, which I think he did in in one of the uh, films later, in, including Lon Chaney played Frankenstein and. I don't know if it was Son of Frankenstein or, or which one. Uh, yeah, uh, Bella actually played Frankenstein in um, Wolfman Meets Frankenstein. Right. Wolfman or Frankenstein actually. Meets the Wolfman, yeah. Frankenstein Meets the, the Wolfman. But I could tell you overall, I don't think it would have been the same because when he played that, he doesn't look like a great Frankenstein. Like no. Boris. No. So if he would have played the role, I'm not sure if history would be like it is today. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you, Eddie. Totally. Right, because I mean, and Boris Karloff, the thing with Boris was just his voice. Uh, they used Boris Karloff's voice in so many things that I can think of today. Uh, everything from uh, the, you know, sometimes Bugs Bunny. The oh, voice yeah. They used. they used his voice and, and he had that, um, like, for example, there, there's, uh, I love when they play it. I don't know if it was Boris who actually used the voice in that, but when they did that cartoon with the monsters, it's like yes. a clay figure cartoon. What is yes. that called? Rankin and Bass, I think it was called the Monster Mash, wasn't it? I, I may be Some, wrong. It's something been a while. like that. The voice is, is just that. But then every, for some reason, the voice of Frankenstein or the voice of Boris Karloff went in probably a couple, not just one, but a couple of cartoons where there was a mad scientist that spoke like him. Yeah, and I think in that, in the one you're talking about, the Rankin and Bass movie, I think he played dr frankenstein in that and i think the monster was just you know made noises but i think i think that was boris karloff's voice in that yeah it, it could be because i think it was done early in that but one one voice that i always echoed in my mind i don't know if it, but i think they tried it to make although they tried to make it like his voice was in the flintstones yes well, you have len remember len that the guy was a bad scientist I forgot yes yes i would say don't do it len you yeah. know, like the low- <laughs> and the guy says, I have to, I have to, you know, be yeah. a bad that sounds a lot like Boris Karloff, you know, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but that was funny. Yeah, yeah that was a funny cartoon. And uh, like I said, I, I grew up all that. So, I mean, I, I watched them and, and still today, whenever I get a chance, I sit down and, and I like to, you know, get all the original Bucks Bunny or, you know, and, and just watch and stuff. And then I realized, especially with Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse, how each of the famous uh, movie stars of the fifties, especially like the frog that he's, what's his name with the big lips who played the oh. frog in, in courageous cat and minute mouse. He goes, Oh eh, eh. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Edward G. Robinson. That's right. Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. He's one of those iconic figures. Oh yeah. They use And then they also used in Bugs Bunny, the guy with the big eyes. He goes, Oh, they, he, t- he spoke like that too. What was his name too? Peter Laurie. Peter Laurie. Peter Laurie, that's correct, Peter Laurie. And, you know, and it's it's just to say that I think all of us, when we look at all the monsters and stuff, the reason we love monsters 
is not because Frankenstein is, but I think it brings us back to our childhood and the toys we liked. Well, and I think also, I I think Eddie, that's true. But I also think that the core of why we like monsters as a child is that they empower us because we can see ourselves as the monster and that it empowers us. Uh, You know, Frankenstein, he was so misunderstood uh, in the film, especially. And, you know, he, he didn't mean to throw the in the water that was a mistake you know as kids we make mistakes and then we think of ourselves well we're sort of like frankenstein because we we we're misunderstood and we make mistakes and you know it's sad and but also it empowers us because then at every halloween we can become frankenstein or we can become dracula and in doing so we can empower ourselves for that one night even though we're little kids and the world's not in our control but for one night a year we can be the monster and we can be empowered you know, one of the things that people don't really say, like, well, back in the 70s, uh, and this it goes in what you're saying right now, uh, you know, we there was so much mail fraud. Well, here's oh. the thing. Here's the thing. We know, and, and a lot of people wonder how people were so dumb to order the things. Well, when you look at ads, and again, going back to our childhood, back in the 70s and 60s, uh, most schools, every class you were in, there was a 90% chance you had some type of bully in the class. Okay, Absolutely. There was always one popular kid, and there was always one kid that would either tell you, I'm going to meet you after school, or they yep. would, you know, there was always somebody, right? So if you were like in the middle, which 90% of the kids were, you would then go to a comic book, and you would read uh, Monster Size Monsters, Scare the Daylights Out of Your Friends, and somehow... Yes. Those ads, when they portrayed them, even though it was going to rip off the person because they were going to get a poster instead of an actual statue or, like in my case, build your own robot and stuff. Yes. It gave you the idea that you were going to overcome your fears by purchasing this product. Yes. So I think having said that, a lot of the early mail order ads were geared to kids with that imagination. And the problem is that most kids in our life, all kids at one time have some type of inner self uh, where they're, they fear something or, or another. And sometimes those ads fill those gaps or maybe Absolutely. Fear, they, they wanted to be somebody or greater. Or like I said, one of the greatest things they do in advertising, especially in mail order, is they always promise you to have better health you're going to be liked by, let's say, in a guy, women or a woman liked by guys. Yes. And they make you, they, they go into your inner self and they want to bring out of you what, what I guess, what we feel. And so, I mean, I'm not using the correct words here, but you understand what I'm saying to you. Well, it's just, Eddie, it's, Eddie, it's just like with the magic that you would buy out of those ads too, because you thought, oh, if I was a magician and I knew something the other kids didn't know. They would think I was really great because now I can fool them and I'm, I'm doing this magic and I'm a magician. So now I have, you know, some kind of not power over them, but, but I'm, I'm important. So it made me important. Exactly. And then the second part to that is when you waited for the product to come that you placed an order for, there was that anticipation where you would go to sleep and wonder when it was going to come. Yes. Sometimes it will go six, you know, three to six weeks. Sometimes it was six to eight weeks. And then when you finally got it, okay, sometimes your expectation wasn't up to par. True. But it's kind of like, let me put it this way. Let's say you're going, you're doing 100 miles an hour in your car. 
and you come to a certain stop, your motor's still revving up, but you come to a stop now, you're no longer doing 100, but your motor's yeah. still... When you had the hype and you were waiting all this time to receive the product and you actually got the product since you had so much hype that you built up over all these mo- weeks, you kind of like, you're like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. the product, but you're still kind of excited. So you really don't feel ripped off. No. And then when it does dawn on you two or three days later, you're like, you know what? Maybe I ordered the wrong product. I should check the other one and the other ad. Maybe yes. that's real. And well, you know, I, I love getting them. I mean, I'm like you. I, I love them. I, you know, I know you I sell a hypno wheel still now, but, but, you know, that was one of my favorites when I got the hypno wheel and the lessons in hypnosis. And then, uh, of course, I went on to become a hypnotist and tour the world. But also, um, I love the ones for martial arts. I got the one for judo. I got the one for karate. I remember there was a poster that I got that for the karate one that said the pressure points. And it had this guy that looked like a burglar, like the hand. <laughs> you know, with, the, with the black mask, you know, and, and that look, you know. So, I mean, those things, once you receive them, yes, they were just a piece of paper and a little pamphlet. But in your mind, you're filled in the gaps and you thought all of a sudden, man, I'm going to be able to fight people or protect myself. And in some ways you could. It wasn't that the information wasn't correct. It's just that it took a lot more training than you would assume it would. But, you know, in the hypnosis wheel, same thing, you know, opening the imagination and it, my imagination for the rest of my life. So, you know, discount the power of those items you know one of the most one of my favorite youtube uh, videos it's called the dollar 25 ghost now originally when i ordered it was a dollar this guy his name is kevin right. Nolte, and i believe kevin nolte he's a big time advertising guy for either the new yorker i forget what magazine he works in so he it goes under the dollar 25 ghost and he goes on to explain how you know when he was a kid um reading Richie Rich, he went on to order the ghost and and then he goes on to say he waited weeks, uh, what looked like eternity, and then his mom came and, and said, Don't put your expectations too high. So the conclusion of the video is at that moment when a tear uh, came out of his eye, he said, My future was destined where I wanted to become a marketer and feel and, and basically what was the word he used on the thing? Make someone feel as preciously scammed as he was. Like, in other words, yeah, yeah, yeah. the joy he got, he wanted to have somebody else feel the joy that he just got scammed and, and that made his future. And, you know, it goes back again. I got a letter from a guy, um, I guess a few years, not a few years ago, it might have been like two years ago. And I think the, the letter came after the book Mail Order Mysteries came out and he noticed me in the back, okay? And he wrote to me from Australia, I think. And in his wow. letter, he writes me and says, hey, listen, I placed an order for your, I don't know if he said the moon monster. He ordered something from me. Okay. Said, oh, the, or the, oh, no, I'm sorry, the seven-foot ghost. And he said, you know, I waited a couple of weeks. And, and this was also repeated to me by our buddy Todd, though, which was hilarious. He says, I waited for a couple of weeks. And just as I expected, I got crap in the mail. The same that I got back in the 70s. He says, but please don't take it this way. But I'm the reason I'm writing to you is because I wanted to thank you for bringing back such precious memories to me. Wow. And, you and, know, you know I, and I, I framed the letter, actually, because I thought it was phenomenal. I go, wow, what an email. And then a few weeks later, he sent me, which I thought was ironic, because he could have just told me to send it to him, about six joy buzzers 
and a few items from, oh, wow. from a store, and he wanted me to sign it for them, you know? Well, I got to tell you, Eddie, I mean, you, your pro, your products are amazing. I mean, I'm not kissing your beep. I'm just saying that, um, for instance, your monsters, your six-foot monsters, you've improved those to such a level that they're artwork. I mean, they're artwork. And, you know, so when, when people order something from you now, they're not getting what we got when we were kids. They're getting keepsake and a beautiful piece of art to be framed and put on their wall. I, I was so impressed with both the Dracula and the Frankenstein. I mean, I couldn't imagine they would have looked so fantastic. And they're what I would have imagined receiving when I was a kid, but we didn't. You know, uh, the funny thing about that is that I, I had them uh, enhanced, basically. What happened is when I scanned the originals, I enhanced them to be more vivid, the colors. And, but let me tell you, nothing blew my brain away more than when, because, you know, I, 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 I mentioned to you, I, I think, that I get them all uh, one order at a time. I get, yes. uh, you know, it's cause they're, they're not pre-printed and they get printed yeah. if I get an order. But the, the printer that I used, uh, I said one day, you know what, I'm sending all my customers all these posters and they're getting, they're super happy. They're giving me five stars on them. I oh, want to yeah. see what they actually look like because I had never really ordered you know, for myself. Wow. So I went and ordered one of each. And I'll tell you one thing, nothing blew me away more than the seven foot bony the skeleton. When I looked, when I actually looked at that bony the skeleton and, and I looked at the, <laughs> the poster, yeah. I'm like, this is nuts, man. Well, it's, it's also the the paper is so beautiful too. I mean, it's thick, beautiful paper, and then the glossiness to them. I mean, they're just they're such a different level. That's right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The the company I use is just I've never had a company do better work. And um, but I'm going to tell you one thing that the level of that and, and you know of that uh, bony the skeleton is, yeah is phenomenal now. I went with Dave and, and we did a project a couple, Dave Harvestad from SS Adams. I did a couple of projects with him and, and he's the one that, together with me. We did the hypno coin. Uh, we put out um, uh, this, this thing, which is actually a haunted house uh, weather vane. Oh, cool. So, yeah. You know, where in all honesty, it, it, it came out and it was such a pain that I kind of decided to discontinue that. We still have a couple uh, that we're probably going to get rid of soon, but um you know, we did the HypnoCoin, we did the Frankenstein, and the point I was going to say is when the Frankensteins came, and now one thing that people don't realize is when I had this stuff reproduced, okay, I had it scanned at parts. Yeah. And then David submitted it to a, a professional um, copy, uh, copy, not copyright, um Oh my God, I can't remember the name of those. Uh, the people that deal with graphic artists. I'm sorry. Graphic, graphic artists, sure. Artists. Yeah, yeah. And the graphic artist spent, according to what he told us, 17 hours putting it together. And here's one thing that people don't realize the original is made on plastic. So the original is a piece of garbage, basically a garbage bag that has a poly, what they used to call polyurethane bag. I remember. Yeah. That has, and they used the word polyurethane, I guess, to deceive people because no one's going to figure it's a plastic poster. Right. Uh, you know, what is polyurethane? Unless you look it up in a dictionary, you won't know. Um, the whole thing is, oh, not polyurethane, polyurethane. 
polyurethane. Yes, yes. And um, so what happened is it's wrinkled. So the folded down version, if anybody looks at Mail Order Mysteries, they can see my original in there. You'll see it has a lot of wrinkles. Wow. Even the original it has wrinkles. So the wrinkles come out to 600 DPIs to get a really good exact copy. Correct. So to put that together was nuts. Oh, and yeah, man. Sent it out. He sent it out to China to get, you know, we produced, uh, you know, a couple of hundred. Uh, sure. And that's why it, it sells for less than the 149 that I sell the other monsters because the cost was half the price, you know. And you're uh, honest. You're one, an honest person. Yeah. You know, so. that's, well, I'm not, I'm not trying because a lot of people say, well, you know, you're selling the posters eBay, and they want what you sell it to me. And they don't realize, one, the posters cost over 100 bucks a piece. Of course. Okay. Uh, the eBay fees are easy, a little bit, almost $20. Then you have all the fees. So what I'm really making on each poster is just enough to right. keep them there. And, and, just I, and, not I have, and I have to say that we were talking about the the original Monsters and Universal. This Those char- characters that you have on those posters, without going over copyrights of Universal... They faithfully recreate everything we love about those of Dracula and Frankenstein. They faithfully those images, and they're just a gem for anyone if you're a fan of them. And 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 you know, and the thing is that anybody who opens up a comic book will see them. Anybody who deals uh, with famous monsters of filmland will see them. In fact, issue number twenty-six, the one that has the outer limits on the outside cover. I think was the very first time ever that it was ever advertised the six foot monster sized monsters and they're advertised in the actual back cover. Right. Right. If you turn that magazine over, you're going to see the Dracula and the Frankenstein. Now I'm going to tell you and and going back to this. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And I tell a lot of people, if you want to get the six foot Frankenstein, I'm sorry, the seven foot green version. Yes. Which, okay. Why is it better? One, it's in, in a, in a vinyl stock, which is almost like waterproof. Second, it's one piece. You don't have to put together two two sections like the original. Right, Third, exactly. It looks phenomenal. phenomenal. Oh, and framed, it's and amazing. It, it's amazing framed. It's just well, amazing. The, the thing with a lot of people don't say about frame is, and I say one of the ways to frame those things is if you go into, uh, and this is a way for those that can't afford to frame them, Sure. go to Home Depot or Lowe's, and get those moldings that they use for the bottom of your your living, I mean, your house, what they call the moldings, you know? Yeah. And try to get moldings and make a frame yourself. You can. And, and yeah, that's yeah. about the only way, because to be honest with you, to frame one of those posters, there was an individual, and I thought it was kind of funny. He bought two posters from me. He bought the Dracula and the Frankenstein, okay? Yeah. So then after he purchased it, I think he lives in Brooklyn. Phenomenal person. Um, he had him framed and spent like $1,400 to frame the two. Right, like I know. It's about $500. About $500 yeah. a piece, yeah. They're, they're... Exactly a, little bit, a little bit over depending if you put glass or not. Uh, That's right. So he framed them. And then after he put them up in his house, he realized that he couldn't open his kitchen door. Because oh, it was man. Be... He, he calls me up and says, hey, I want to buy another set. I got this frame. I'm going to put them on eBay. I think he sold them on eBay for like $2,000. And he says, I want to buy another uh, set, but can you have them printed on like waterproof vinyl or something so that I can, you know, I don't need to frame them. And I said, sure. I forgot exactly what I did with those, but um, 
he got sure. them and, and the guy I mean he actually bought like two sets and and I gotta tell you something. When I started selling those posters, I don't know, probably the early eighties, I must have sold quite a, a couple of hundred sets you know uh, people were just and i was the only one that was bringing them back again uh so well i gotta then, say you know, they're, they're just beautiful to, oh they, they are phenomenal and then of course i added the moon monster and i added the uh you know the uh what do you call down the uh zachary poster oh yeah that was mm-hmm. done in, in famous monsters now i did that because i knew zachary very good friend and we, you know, we, we spoke and, and all that. But one of the things I never brought up was the Vampirella because Vampirella, that, that definitely copyrighted, you know, had all this right. stuff. And I, I you know, didn't I was, have I, I was going to say something to you, Eddie. You brought up a memory for me when you were talking about the polyethylene or whatever that was. You know, I bought something out of a comic. Remember the log cabin that you that would put go over a uh, end up going over a uh, card table actually. The, the, but was, the frontier, the frontier cabin for one. Yes, that's it. That's you, it. You could get two for two ninety eight, I think. Yes, and it was made out of that polyethylene stuff. Yeah, yeah. You put it over a card table. You know, Mike. I don't know if you have any of those yet. Um, I had one that I purchased many many years ago probably in 1991, 92. And I think I lost it in the fire. It might still be in one of my boxes. I don't know, because a lot of people don't realize that in 1995, uh, there was a, a five alarm fire in the storage facility I had. Oh my gosh. And I lost a bit about, I would say about 60% of my original collection. And I re-got most of that collection, purchasing stuff in, in Toy Shop Magazine before eBay. And I continued going to flea markets and everywhere I could. And every time I found an original, I would buy it again. And throughout the years, well, sure. eBay came on. That's but I, that log cabin. There was the log cabin. There was also another one that was also made. I forgot the name of the other one. But that frontier log cabin is is so rare that I don't think I've ever seen one. Wow, um, I don't have one anymore. But boy. Yeah, that's another one of those things that was not exactly how you thought when you ordered it. But when you got it, it was so cool to play with. Well, you know what? And they always use made of 100% polyethylene, which what it did, it, it just like the seven-foot ghost. Uh, now, I'll tell you what my regrets are, uh, uh, Mike. And, and one of the things, and I'm saying regrets is, you know, when I was a kid, again, you know, when, we're talking, when, when we are talking about um, situations where, you know, kids – they're, they feel like they could get this extra power by ordering things and stuff. Yes, and, yes. You know, faced at the time, growing up in Manhattan, obviously, uh, you know, kids I came from Cuba at the age of four, uh, didn't speak English at the time. And a couple of times, of course, they said, uh, we're going to wait for you after school, you know, which was a common mm. thing. So yep. when I came across the seven-foot ghost that I, you know, I, I ordered it because I thought it would give me this special power over them. Yes. And I think uh, Kirk Demaris touched the bone or touched uh, the heart on that when he did flip the a little t- 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 five or seven minute film of a kid who has comic books. He gets beat up and he buys, you know, the seven foot monster that controls, yeah. you know, Kirk used a, a Frankenstein for a picture kind of in the thing. But uh, it's it's the same idea. Yeah. Of what we're talking about. And um uh, the regrets that I have is that when I looked about the, and I, and of course, you know this, and every time I say this, uh, Joe and, and Todd and everybody says, take a drink, is the Monster Roba plants. I had an opportunity to purchase either the Melton Company one and 
you know, the one from Abracadabra Magic Shop, which was located in New Jersey. Right. And again, you know, when we say this, I'm, I'm going to bring something a lot of people don't realize. And, and before I, I finish that story is in the early 1980s, I had a magic shop. And after I closed down my magic shop, I, I figured I went to the courts in, in the area and try to find out who used to own the original mail order companies. I came across the original owner, Lou Weiss, who owned the Fun Factory, which was a mail order company in the early six, uh, late 60s, early 70s, that was uh, out of New Jersey. Wow. And there was also the, the Fun House, which was uh, the one that sold the million dollars in U.S. banknotes out of uh, Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. The Obama's 1224, the Fun House, that was owned by Jack Aboff. Uh, the uh, the company in New Jersey was Lou Weiss. I tracked them down and called them on a Sunday. To you know, fast forward, I wound up uh, reopening the uh, Fun Factory with Lou Weiss, and oh, that wow. was a total dream. And I ran my first full page ad with Lou in 1992, 93 in DC Comics. So that's why I've said in the past that you can find my. In fact, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast in the past is. The first company that ever run a mail order ad was in, in 1938, Johnson Smith, in Action Comics number one, number one. Wow. wow. And the last company that ever run a mail order ad was Fun Factory under me in 1993. Prior to that and after that, no company has ever run that sells novelties. I'm talking about the jokes. and magic. I know. Yeah. Um, so going back to when I had that opportunity as a kid, going back to the original story, um, I came uh, across the two ads. I had the ad from Abracadabra Magic Shop, and the, it had a Frankenstein-looking monster. It said, make this own monster you can uh, own and control. Your friends will obey yes. you. The yes. way it was worded in my brain was a better ad than the one from Melton Company that showed a kid inside a, a robot contraction. You know? Yes, yes. And so my eyes were lured by the Frankenstein figure-looking and I ordered those. And the story that I regret is that, you know, years later, it's been a 45, 46 year track down. And I've never come across those monster plans from the Melton company. Where wow. I've, I've even rented a car and drove to Chicago in search of the original company. I've gone through Florida to everything, all the banks and wow. the PO box uh, D and E were located for the Melton. Now the Melton company went under two names, went under guaranteed distributors and they also went on the Melton Company. Wow. Uh, you have, I found the name of the guy. My search is all in a paper trail. Like I have all the records of all the contacts, every mm. person I ever met. And, you know, including where the post office was. And then my shock was that the post office for the Melton Company was three blocks away from where I stayed when I was 13 years old. And didn't even know. Yes. There. But anyway, uh, the other regrets I have in life is that as I went on to do more research in the early 80s um, yeah i came across not the first company that i ordered the seven foot monster ghost from was the honor house obviously and the reason my honor house has my favorite ad is because if you look at the ad from the melton company johnson smith and honor house honor house i think because of the line artwork gave yes. me more yes. to imagine and right. i had a little friend like everybody has a little friend that tells them everything i had this little friend i grew up with uh, that anything he told me, I believed, you know? Right. And I asked, right. what does, and he goes, well, that's a giant, you know, ghost. It will base your commands. You can tell it just like in Abbott and Costello, how Dracula yeah. says, um, <laughs> and that's why I fell for the honor house. Now, when I got it, 
Uh, and I said my the head popped, and the story goes on that you know yeah. I, I bought the melting company thinking. Now, if you look at the melting company ad, one of the famous things about the melting company ad is it has two different ones. It has one where there's a ghost looking at a guy up in the air. I remember that, a, right? Like a vampire kind of monster. Yes. Align now. The one that has the monster like that, when you look at it really quick, especially in a comic book, it looks like a rectangular box. Yes. It doesn't look like there's a guy down there. So that's right. Yeah. What, you know, going the story there goes that when I was a kid in Cuba, I don't know, the age of three and a half, give or take, I still remember because it kind of did an impression on me. Somebody had died and they, we went to the wake. Now, back in those days, they used to use glass uh, bureau by like that was made of glass, you know? Yes, and right. or the top part of it, and I asked my grandfather that I wanted to look, and he raised me up in the air, and I saw the person inside the coffin, and it kind of left a mark on me. And when I saw the seven foot ghost, and I looked at that Melton ad, yes, it gave me the impression that it came in a glass box. Well, you, you know, what I'm saying? yeah, because when you're looking at that artwork, it, looking at the artwork, it, your imagination combined with your history and your memory would bring you to that would bring you to that you know thought well that, that's what i'm saying if you look at the way that the guy the guy the melting company who did yes. that he cut it out where it's rectangular but then he cuts the corners on top and bottom like he just chops off i guess because he wanted uh, the way he placed the picture sure so if yeah. you look at that ad and i'll send you if you don't know which one i'm talking about michael I, I think i do i think i remember uh, and i thought in my mind it was coming in a glass box and i would tell the mailman hey when you get it you know let oh. me know because uh, it's going to be a big box like this whatever so i told him but i thought it would be like a miniature glass box not yes a of course box, you know? yeah of course and i thought you would have to put it together but anyway here's the thing that and, and this is funny though because this was my thought even after i received the one from uh the honor house company yeah. that already i kind of knew what it looked like but i i was you know kids are stupid i used to think the polaris submarine was something that i was going to drown if i bought it and i didn't know how to swim and i thought i could actually build it and put it in my bathtub and walk inside of it like, yes, I I always know, wanted you're, one you're, of those. I always wanted one of those Polaris submarines. I always wanted one of those. I never got one, but I always it opened my imagination because I love Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and all those things. Green, I never got one, but yeah, I know what you're thinking because we thought it was real and we thought it would really float. Well, and yeah, no, but the, but the thing is, like some people think I can only sit in it, but you know, it goes back to Cuba. One day, my mom is walking from my house in Cuba to, and I see a little Mack truck, and in back of the Mack truck, for whatever reason there was a steering wheel inside the dump area. Okay? Right, right. And my mom says, those trucks, you can ride on it. Now, what she meant to say is that there were pedal cars you can ride on, but the one I was seeing was a small truck. Right. So in my mind, I thought that it, I would shrink and be able to fit there somehow. So right. that same mentality bought me when I, when I saw the Polaris sub, I thought I could shrink, go in it, and I thought it was actually big enough to walk inside of it. It's stupid. I did too. And I, I, I did too. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I regret, getting back to the regrets, is that I realized in the 80s, as I researched, that the first company that ever sold the seven-foot ghost was actually a company called Jim Cook Productions. And they were located in, um, in uh, Georgia. And it was sold inside of Boy's Life magazine. Okay. Right, right, he yes. started the first time ever. I think I tracked it down to 1964 or 66. 
Then I realized that two other companies, other than Johnson Smith and Honor House and the Melting Company, right. were, mm-hmm. were selling the same ghost. And I saw those ads later on in life. And I'm like, oh, my God. I right. I've done my research because, I mean, I would love to have one of each of the ghosts because to me, the ghost was the very first item I ever ordered. And it's always going to be treasured in my heart as the best mail order item ever. And I right. still think this even over the submarine because of the fact that it left so much for your imagination. Okay. And I agree. Yeah. Bring on this. The Honor House ghost when it came. Yes. Uh, you had a, the polyethylene was basically a, a plastic bag. I think it was, a, I mean, I don't want to give exact measurements here, <laughs> but the exact size of the bag and everything. And, um, and the reason for that, because I still, still sell the product and I like people that are going to order the products to still have a sure. little bit of an imagination. I don't want to describe the hundred percent. And they're like, well, that's what it is. Cause it takes away from the fun, you know, that's I why agree. I now. And I that pop, I just say, Eddie, that polyethylene, it was so thin. It was like, you know, you know, when you used to get a uh, dry cleaning back with those really thin, thin plastic bags, you know, it actually, wasn't like. No, it, it actually was a little thicker. It was one mil and it was equivalent to a tall kitchen garbage bag. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the thickness of it. And in fact, uh, Mike, um, I don't know if you ever got my signed special edition seven foot ghost with the Johnson Smith that is signed by the Craig Tarbeck, who's actually one of the originators of the Johnson Smith ghost, which oh. in reality, what they did, what they did is they actually copied Johnson Smith copied uh, the Melton company. And so did honor house and they ran away with it and honor house oh. uh, copied. See, Johnson Smith was the first company in the 1970s catalog, actually two 1970 catalogs they were selling the seven foot size monster size monsters uh-huh. with Bobby the skeleton and, and Franken and you know the Frankenstein. But what happened for whatever crazy reason, and it's funny because talking to Craig about it, he goes, he doesn't know exactly when it took place or what happened. But Honor House just ripped off the ad word for word, right wow. from the you know from the uh, Johnson Smith catalog. Yeah. And what they did is they added the coupon area. And they shaped it where if you look at the actual coupon, it looks like a coffin. You, you know what right, I'm saying? Uh, right, if right. If you look at uh, Monster Size Monsters, the ad on a comic book, or anybody can Google Monster Size Monsters, the ad is going to pop up and you can see what I'm saying. The ad is is made to look like a coffin. Was, yeah. And, and another thing that's really interesting is when they send you Boney the Skeleton, even though Boney the Skeleton in the ad appears and it's supposed to be uh, the hen is down, Right. When they send you the actual Boney the Skeleton, he's waving. And right. you can see that inside the book, Mail Order Mysteries. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not the no. one that's picturing the ad. But the reason is, and it's explained because I, I told that story to uh, Kirk. And Kirk included it in the book is uh, famous monsters of film. I used to sell a, a model kit called the Modern Man. And the Modern Man has Boney picture outside. So the right. picture they used for the actual ad as they were doing the ad, they used the word modern. They used the uh, picture from modern man. Got it. And that's why bony looks better. And then when you get the actual bony, which you could see my actual bony, which I've had several in my life. Of course. Uh, and as the story goes, when Honor House closed down, I went down there and I was given 11, I mean, uh, 11 Frankensteins and 10 bonies. I'm sorry, 11 bonies and 10 fr- original 
Frankensteins with stuff. And then, of course, I sold them on eBay and flooded eBay. Then now there's a bunch of people out there with the, the original products, which probably came from the originals that I had. I see. Uh, Boney looks great. It's off-white a little bit. It looks more cartoonish. And when you put it up in your wall, it's not a knockout. The Boney mm -hmm. I reproduced in black and white because what I did is I created that bony, but it was done into black and white. It doesn't have right. a white background. It's phenomenal. It's, it's more vivid, yeah. It's vivid. But uh, And I'm actually going to do a video where I'm going to stand next to each of them, the Frankenstein and the bony. I'm going to put them up so that people can realize how, how beautiful they look. Cool. They'll be more into that. And pretty soon when we do sell, and anybody out there who's really interested in running, uh, for you know the bony, the skeleton, or the, uh -huh. or the seven foot Frankenstein. If they're gonna buy the Frankenstein, they can still get it uh, through eBay. The name of the company that David uses, I think, is Prescott. Just oh, okay. seven foot Frankenstein and get it there because we're still giving it for eighty nine bucks there. When wow. you go when you go back into House of the Unusual and, and they run out, they're gonna go back to one forty nine even under Prescott because we're gonna make them in the United States. We're not bringing them again from China. So right, right. That, that's an opportunity that people can actually. I might clean it up a little more and stuff for. But the point is that the original ad from Honor House that was just taken by Johnson Smith. Sure. That original ad sold for the next 10, 11 years. Like Honor House used that ad. It was one of their best items it was phenomenal, and people kept ordering it because it was so well written. But there's now, Eddie, thing about Eddie, that. I want to ask you a question because sure. it's off it's off topic, but we're getting near the end of our talk. Question for you, um, and I don't have the answer. I was thinking of you last weekend because you know you love robots, right? And I was watching uh, decades had a marathon of Adventures of Superman, and they had um, the doctor on there who had that robot. And you probably remember that robot, how he squirted fire out of his nose and everything. And I thought of you, and I thought, uh, what did you think of that robot in Adventures of Superman? I mean, it, it was a unique look to it, really. Well, what I think of that robot in particular, and I guess, and I've been obsessed with robots ever since I was never I know. plants as a kid. If you look, I'm going to send you a picture of an eight-foot eight, eight foot robot that I built way back in the day. Wow. And it looks like that particular robot from the Superman thing. Wow. <laughs> but that wow. tells you what I think of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it was an episode, <laughs> and the robot was cool in that episode. I love the robot. Yeah, it, it's really cool, especially when they uh, – Superman, yeah, that actually – I think and, – and that's kind of funny because you have all these Shogun robots from Japan and stuff, right. and I'm like, I don't like them. And me neither. Like, you like robots. Well, I kind of like the robots that remind me of the robots from either Lost in Space or the 1950s. And me they too. all have the boxy look. I like the Japanese yes. robots that were sold in the 70s and 50s that some do thousands of dollars. Now, I do have in my collection, believe it or not, original Japanese, original, I have 17. I have 31. Wow. Robots, I have a couple of reproductions. Yes, I bought them. I paid. I paid for the uh, spaceman eight hundred and thirty-five dollars uh -huh. uh, for the uh, smoking spaceman, and then I had to get it restored. It cost me like another hundred and fifty. But yes, I paid. Today they're going for like three, four thousand. Oh yeah. Uh, I've bought a lot of those, and my passion for robots always is where they look like that. They look like the boxy, the Superman yeah. one, and. Uh, 
getting to the close. And what the final thing I wanted to bring on the ad that before I, I close is sure the word awful. When uh, you, it says, you know, imagine your friends as they walk into your room and see, uh, you know, the, the Frankenstein with his hand reaching out bigger than the live Frankenstein, the man. Yes. When they wrote, wrote the word awful, they spelled the A-W-F-U-L. They forgot to put the E <laughs> And you know what? With that misspelling, you can't change that. No. Because it's a very iconic ad they ever ran, you know? Wow. That's interesting. That's a lot of people don't know those stuff. But you know what I was going to tell you, though, is getting back with it, what you mentioned with robots. Yes. And, and, I, and I say to people out there, if anybody... Now, I know one guy, I think, just played me on this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, either I know he had it because he seemed to have described the original plans I'm looking for. Sure, yeah. Uh, I know he had it. Uh, I think he said he was going to go to another state and get it. And then he says that he I didn't get a hold of him in two months or three, which, you know, made me wonder. But the whole thing is he says he sold it in a garage sale. Oh, my gosh. I got to be honest, I don't know 100% of what I can put into this whole story, but um, I don't see a person who's being offered a lot of money for something to sell it for $10, $15. You know, right. like, I, I, I think the fact is he might have it. He, I, I think he didn't come across it. And I think what he's doing is he's hoping when he does find it, he's going to say, hey, I came across another copy. Absolutely. Um, but, um, I if anybody out there can help me with this, I, I really would appreciate it and would take care of the person. So what do you well. look, what do you exactly? What is this? I'm looking for the Melton, the Melton company or guarantee company sold under both titles. Okay. Seven foot monster robot plans. In okay. Fact, if, they, if they Google the word seven foot monster robot plans, the melting company ad is going to appear like 15 times. Right. There's a company, uh, some guy has a, uh, I think it's uh, uh, some website named Pinklick or something like that. He has uh -huh. it on several times. There is, uh, inst uh, not Instagram, uh, what do you call that thing where you put all your photos, you post pictures? Yeah, uh, uh, Snapchat. It's Snapchat, it's going to have it. No, no. So folks if, folks, if you're out there and you hear this, you got to make Eddie's dream come true here, you know? I mean, this is something he's dreamed of all his life. Contact Eddie. I've been looking for this for 47 years. It's, it's crazy. That, I know, I mean, Eddie. I, I know. They, it hasn't been sold anywhere. And, and people say, well, how do you? Well, trust me, I've been doing a religious search on eBay for the last 10 years. Right. I have like 17 with different wording for it, uh, notifications on that anytime, and I always check it daily, daily, that those plans have never appeared. The ones I bought, the ones I bought from Honor, from uh, Abracadabra Magic Shop, not only have they appeared three or four times, even on eBay, that I've had people send me them thinking that that's the one I was looking for. Well, someday, hope, someday, someday they're going to be there, Eddie, someday. We just have to I trust the people out there. One day. People out there listening, you've got to make this dream come true. So we'll hope that they do, Eddie. Well, listen, other said than that, listen, it's been such a pleasure having you on today, Mike. Always. Like always. Uh, and people, you know, if people haven't really been look, I have in your channel, I have one of your presentations uh, that they could see that you've traveled the world. You work everywhere from Las Vegas throughout the country doing your 
Danger Magic shows and yep. your, and uh, and by the way, Eddie, just real, just real quick, I am at the Santa Cruz County Fair this week in Watsonville, California. I'll be here through Sunday doing both my Danger Magic, where I swallow razor blades, do all that crazy stuff, and my hypnosis show. So if you're in the Monterey, California area, come out and tell me you heard us on the, on the podcast and say hello because I'll be on the stage every day, all day. Uh, there at the fair in at the Santa Cruz County Fair in Watsonville, just a little bit south of Monterey, California. And another thing I want to finally say to people out there, be in the lookout. I'm waiting for him to call me. I gotta wait for his schedule. From Pe- the guys, the duel from Penn and Teller. Teller will be on in a live Zoom podcast. Awesome, us, awesome. Uh, in the near future, I'm not sure exactly when it's gonna happen. I'm waiting on him, but as soon as he do, he does. It'll we'll have it on now. Having said that, Mike, thank you. God bless everybody and have a wonderful night. Have a great night, folks. Thank you so much, Eddie. Bye-bye. Bye now, buddy.